0: My entitled neighbor blocked my car in and then went on vacation. So I decide to get a hilarious revenge. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. So my wife and I live in an old Victorian style house in a college town split into two apartments. Our two bedrooms downstairs and a four bedroom upstairs. The first year was occupied by nursing students who were great. They all finished their rotations and moved out. And we got a set of MBA students who were complete jerks. At first, we thought, oh, they're young, we'll politely complain when they don't clean up their dog poop and have a kegger night on a Tuesday, or play Call of Duty so loud that it rattles our windows. They'll figure it out and it'll be okay. Well, it wasn't. Their response to our requests were annoyance and non-compliance, which opened the door for me to engage in passive-aggressive revenge tactics and I have many stories from the year they resided above us. One Monday morning after a pretty raging party upstairs, I came outside to find my car parked in by the upstairs neighbor my wife had nicknamed seahammer Hammer. Now in the lease, we had exclusive use of the driveway. Upstairs was supposed to park on the street. However they often parked behind us when street parking was scarce. So I knocked on the door to get them to move the car so I could go to work. Only there's a problem. Sea Hammer had left that morning on spring break vacation. He won't be back for two weeks. After I had recovered from contemplating exactly how much of a syphilis ridden wink sock of a human being you would have to be to illegally park in your downstairs neighbor's parking space and then leave for two weeks, I rang the non-emergency police line and explained my situation. They tried to contact Seahammer to no avail. So, my legal recourse was to have the car towed to a legal, vacant spot on the street at my own expense. Which, given that I had to go to work, was what I would have to do. While I was waiting for the tow truck, I hatched a mature and a juvenile revenge plan. Here's the juvenile plan first. I got a bottle of DOT 3 brake fluid and a rag out and utilizing the extent of my artistic abilities, I painted a big old wiener on the hood with a pew 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 of pee going over the roof and left it to bake in. The mature part of the revenge plan came to fruition when the tow truck arrived. Our city has a penchant for street sweeping and tow cars enthusiastically when doing so. They had just put up signs down one side of our street notifying that they would be sweeping in four days. I reserved a spot on that side of the road for Seahammer's car and had the tow truck driver put it there. I let him in on the plan as he was contracted to tow cars for the city that day. He giggled a lot at my slowly emerging wiener artwork and said he'd try and pick up Seahammer's car early knowing that if he was away for two weeks his company would be able to rack up a nice storage fee. The day came and the tow driver who moved the car came straight to Seahammer's car and towed it. I had dropped it. A note in Seahammer's letterbox explaining, without being rude, that he had parked me in and I had to have his car removed at my expense so that I could go to work. Cue him coming back and furiously pounding on my door. Where's my effing car? He demanded. I explained I had moved it to the other side of the street into a legal car space because neither the police nor I could contact him. But the city had swept the street last Thursday, so they had towed it. He needed to call the city. He stormed off furious, only to return a few. hours later. Apparently, the combination of the city's fine, the tow fee, and 10 days' storage there totaled to be over $1,000, and his car had been hilariously vandalized at the tow yard. He demanded I pay. I politely declined, suggesting that he might try small claims court if he could demonstrate that I'd done anything I was liable for. He never took me up on the offer. The artwork had come out great. The car had been left in the rain, so the giant wiener on the hood of his beat-up Civic had rusted in. Apparently, it even earned him the nickname, Dick Wheels in Class. Before we start talking about the story, the original poster actually included one of the other experiences he had with these people. So, one story. Seahammer had a habit of playing Call of Duty or some other FPS games on his big surround sound TV directly above our bedroom late at night. It was so loud that it would rattle the light fittings in the windows and often would start around 10pm and go past midnight on the weekends. We initially just went upstairs and asked them to be quiet, but he got increasingly hostile until one night. He just told me to F off. So I went to the basement, opened the fuse box, and killed the fuses to the upstairs living room. I waited until he came down to fix them around the corner, and then killed them again. Repeat ad infinitum. This became my course of action instead of asking him to turn off the noise. If I was feeling particularly vindictive, I'd kill the hot water too. Another one of them, my wife nicknamed Wienerman, had a habit of pissing in the backyard. One morning, my wife copped an eyeful of his junk while he hosed down the side of the shed. Nothing too extreme there. I think she renamed our wireless network to inform him that she'd seen his junk that morning and thought it was small. So now that you know my multiple revenge strategies, am I the jerk? I was surprised here that the original poster didn't ask Hammer to pay for his towing expenses because he's the one who had to pay for the car to be moved out. But apparently the OP actually answered this and said, The company I called for the tow was a shop I've had some restoration work done at, so they only charged me about $20. I could have pursued it, but I decided it wasn't even worth my time. And effort, and he's probably right. I can't possibly imagine Hammer actually coughing up $20 when he thinks the OP owes him money. I figured the towing probably wouldn't be that expensive since they only moved it a few feet right across the street, but I think a lot of tow companies have a flat rate minimum just for showing up in the first place, but I didn't realize he had a personal relationship with this tow shop. Living with people that have no consideration at all for you is a huge time and energy sink. The OP obviously had his sleep interrupted, was almost about to miss work because he was blocked but not only that, but he has to use his own energy and effort in this kind of ongoing war that they have going on where he's constantly going down to the fuse box, turning it off, hiding somewhere, coming back, turning it off when the guy turns it back on, on and on and on again. So let me know if you've ever been in a situation where you lived with a vindictive roommate, and if so, what happened? Don't forget you can submit your own stories via the link down below in the description, and let me know jerk or not a jerk and why. Before we jump into the next one, if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably gonna love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. You're a nurse. Take me to my son's hospital room. FYI, I'm not a nurse. I was a patient. I had a rather terrible Memorial Day weekend. Long and rather boring story short, I had a seizure and face planted on my bedroom door. After a fun ride to the hospital on a backboard and a neck brace, a whole bunch of tests followed and I was admitted because as it turns out, my autoimmune condition isn't quite being managed as well as I thought it was. After day three, I feel well enough to walk around and even make a trip to the cafeteria downstairs to get something Better than the standard hospital food. Now, I didn't really have that much in the way of clothing. My wife brought my favorite hoodie and clean under things, but forgot pants of all things. So, a really nice nurse scrounged up a pair of the hospital's blue scrub pants for me. So, I was happily free of the IV cart for the next few hours and decided to get some chocolate milk and maybe a tasty snack to treat myself and lift my spirits a bit. But it ended up being a rather sad, frustrating affair because I couldn't even make it onto the elevator. I'm pretty slow walking, but I'm just content to not be confined to bed or tingled in tubes, so I enjoy the sunlight and make friendly conversation with the day shift nurses as I pass by. Sometimes it's the small things that make me happy. But all of that happiness goes away as I make it to the waiting area and the elevator lobby when a 60 something year old woman, with the sourest expression on her face, steps off the elevator. Like sucked on a whole barrel of lemons type sour. Lips puckered up tighter than a cat's butt sour. So I tried to give her a wide berth, but pucker face is not happy it. She marches straight up to me and gets well into my personal space and starts demanding that I take her to her son's room and give her an immediate rundown of his medical ailments. This exchange is as follows between me and the pucker face wonder. Finally one of you lazy
1: bees is going to take me to my son's hospital room and explain to me my baby boy's condition. I am his mother after all and that wife of his just has not been taking care of him like she should be. I'm thinking the children Children's Hospital is next door, so I say, what? Oh, don't play stupid. You're not pretty enough for that. I know my son is here and I want to see him right this instant. His name is PB. He was brought in on Friday. I was really confused
0: and feeling bad for PB, but I just say, uh, I don't work here.
1: What do you mean you don't work here? You have scrubs on in a hospital. You are a nurse. Now take me to my son be? I start
0: to get irritated and sassy and I say dude, I'm not a nurse. Not everyone who wears scrubs is a nurse. I just didn't feel like going to the cafeteria in a gown with my butt flapping in the wind. Puckerface waves her hands as if that's magically going to make me
1: not being a nurse change in any way and says you're just using that excuse not to get into trouble for sucking at your job and being a little jack."
0: I hold up my wrist including my lovely broad allergy ban and say, yeah, no, I'm not a nurse. I'm a patient and I really don't have to be explaining this to you. Go find someone else who can help you, but you should probably not be such a bee about it. Pucker face Karen starts inching so close I put my hands up to push her back out of the four remaining inches of my personal space.
1: I will act however And you better believe I'm going to get your lying booty fired. I want to speak to your supervisor. Such unprofessional behavior. And talking back to a patient's family? Your bedside manner is atrocious.
0: I point towards the growing crowd and say, the head nurse is that way. And for the last time, I don't work here. I'm a patient just like PB. And being a jerk to people, especially nurses, is a good way to get thrown out on your butt by security, so you might want to tone it down. By this time, a couple of nurses come over. All of them have clear name badges and credentials on display, as well as these little communication devices that are like Star Trek communicators, but look and perform a lot less cool. The head nurse, who was so sweet, just like all the ones I had during my stay, had taken on the scary resting bee face that would make me think twice, but didn't even scare the crazy woman. She barges right up to the nurse and demands to be taken to her son, spouting off his name and date of birth to basically everyone on the floor and then demands that I be fired. how in and-
1: Fire that be She is completely incompetent and rude!
0: The head nurse deadpans with a chill game I'm rather envious of and says, she doesn't work here and I'm going to have to ask you to refrain from yelling and harassing people. This is a hospital and people are trying to heal and rest.
1: I understand but this woman isn't letting me see my son and he needs his mommy right now! She needs to be dealt with for being such a terrible, irresponsible nurse!
0: I say, but I'm not a nurse. The head nurse chimes in to say, again, OP is not employed by large Texas hospital in this major metropolitan area. After going back and forth for several minutes, pucker Puckerface Karen can't seem to wrap her brain around the fact that I don't actually work at the hospital. She's basically a broken record calling for me to get fired like she's forgotten why she's here in the first place. The head nurse is calm and has explained it as many different ways as she possibly can and is starting to rub her temples with What must be a nasty headache. Finally, after a couple of seconds of quiet, she turns to me and says, Hey, OP, you're fired, okay? I say, Okay. She then holds an elevator for me and says, Go on now, get on your way. I get on the elevator and head downstairs, incredibly grateful to be away from that monstrous woman, and go to collect my well deserved prize and text my wife about the whole thing. She'll find it hilarious. But the story doesn't end here. As it turns out, when they look up information for her son, who turns out to be two rooms down from mine he specifically said his mother is on the list of people who absolutely under no circumstances could be allowed to visit him so i watched her getting dragged kicking screaming and biting through the hospital's main lobby when i was returning from the cafeteria the chocolate milk and cookies were twice as tasty after that her son turned up that evening to apologize for his mother since news of the crazy lady spread across the floor like wildfire he and his family were really cool they also have a restraining order Order against the crazy mother. Looks like we're gonna be physical therapy buddies now and we can swap crazy mom stories together. Shout out to all the nurses out there. You are all the real MVPs for the care that you do and for putting up with people's crazy antics. But what should I have done in this situation? There are just some situations where you're telling something to someone and they are just not gonna hear you. They may be physically able to hear you, but it's not gonna get into their brain. What might have happened in this situation is that the mother knew there was gonna be some sort of extreme resistance because she has a restraining order against her, and maybe she was just sitting in her car trying to hype herself up just telling herself we're gonna get in there we're gonna get it we're gonna do it we're gonna go we're gonna find him we're gonna break the restraining order and just immediately saw everyone in an adversarial way no matter who they were so she opens the door comes in the hospital and the first person she sees is a random patient but she doesn't know that for sure so she just assumes that's the enemy and then completely unloads on the op and in a situation like that it's already a self-fulfilling prophecy for this lady she thought it was going to be like that she knew it was going to be like that and then she made it like that so if you're the situation let me know how you would have handled it down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. This is a revenge story from my grandfather set in 1948 to 1950. Uncle Joe bought some land with a cabin on a lake in Ontario back in the 1920s or 1930s. Over the years he kept adding to it another cabin, a bunkhouse that slept about 12 people, a boathouse, a shaded outdoor dining area under some trees etc. Each summer Uncle Joe would invite various parts of the large family up there and it would be a grand time. It would just called the camp and was well loved by the family. The only full-time resident of the camp was an older man who bred hunting dogs. This was the perfect area for that sort of thing. There were about 10 well-behaved adult dogs around most of the time and the kids loved that each year there were puppies around too. But one year Aunt Mabel and her pastel of squalling ill-behaved children came to the camp. No problem. They were family and welcome. Except they stayed most of the summer. When my grandfather got there in July to stay two weeks, as he always had done, Mabel and her crew had been there for a while already, and Uncle Joe later said they didn't leave until September. He was too polite to kick them out, but he was fed up, especially when they made noises about coming back the next year. The next year, Uncle Joe asked my grandfather to go with him several weeks early to set up the camp. They talked to the dog breeder and hatched a plan. When Aunt Mabel and the brood arrived, everyone sat down to dinner at the outdoor dining area. The only change from last year was that there were metal plates nailed to the tables now. This caused a couple of raised eyebrows, especially when the explanation was that it was easier to clean this way. But everyone ate happily. Then, when everyone was done eating, my grandfather's time to shine came. He gave a loud whistle and yelled, Dinner time! A pack of hounds came from the other end of the camp at a run and jumped on the tables. They started eating leftovers, then licking all the plates clean. This took less than a minute. Uncle Joe and my grandfather stood nearby, nodding approvingly and patting the dogs. Uncle Joe said, See? Easier to clean this way. Wanna go fishing now? My grandfather reported it was the first time he had literally seen someone's jaw drop open and started gaping open and closed like a fish. Mabel and the brood somehow decided to leave the next morning before breakfast. It had taken two weeks to train the dogs and Uncle Joe and my grandfather had to spend the rest of the summer breaking them of the habit of jumping on the dining tables. Everyone agreed it was worth it. Mabel and the brood never returned to the camp. This was the tale of Mabel who was not able to abide the dogs at the table. I hope this was not a fail the fable of Mabel's canine table staring at Betty Grable and Clark Gable with guest appearances by Kane and Abel. Okay, that's enough of the rhyming from the comments. This is actually a pretty cool and creative strategy that they used here, but he could have also just not been as polite and said, Hey, it's September. You should have left a long time ago. This place isn't meant to support everyone this long. So he used the most non-confrontational roundabout way to make it so that you wouldn't stay as long by spending two weeks training these dogs to jump on the table and eat off the plates that were nailed into the tables that seems like a huge amount of work that could have just instead been accomplished by saying hey after july everyone's gotta head out the end so let me know if you've ever experienced some sort of non-confrontational revenge like this in your own lives and if so was it as creative as this one don't forget you can submit your own stories via the link down below in the description an old couple tries to take our seat on a plane a few years ago my significant other and i planned a three-month trip around the world our first flight was from new zealand to los angeles about 12 or 13 hours we both booked and paid for our flights, and I added the premium economy seats as I'm 6'3 and wanted the extra legroom. It cost an extra $60. This flight was with Air New Zealand. The screen has your name on it when you get to your seat. Welcome, OP. We get on the plane, find our seats, and there is this older couple sitting there in their mid-70s. I asked them if they got confused with their seat numbers. They hadn't. I showed them my ticket and seat number and point to my name on the screen. They then just asked me to sit in their seats, which were 10 rows back. No legroom. You you want me to sit in your seats?
1: Yes, that would be nice. Thank you.
0: I paid extra for these seats and would like to sit in them. Please move to your seats.
1: Oh, it's not that bad. There's plenty of leg room.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of legroom in my seats because I paid for it. I'll help move your bag if you need. The flight attendant comes along because the line is getting long. This man wants us to move seats. The flight attendant says, sir, please go to your allocated seats. I say, here's my ticket. These people are sitting in my seats. I paid extra because I need the legroom. The flight attendant tells the old people, Excuse me, you will have to move to your own seats as you have not paid for these seats. Well, can we please have an upgrade? Sorry, this is a full flight, so that is not possible. The old people's face turned into the Pikachu shocked face. I got stink guy from other people on the flight. I paid for the extra legroom and I need it. So was I the jerk? A lot of the times when it comes to old people, I tend to feel for them, but in this case, it seemed like, they knew what they were doing, and this probably is something they've done before and it's already worked in the past. Maybe not in a malicious way, maybe they just did in the past where there was an extra seat and they were able to get it, but it's different when you're actually trying to take the seat from someone who already paid for that seat. So let me know how you would handle the situation down below And Jerk or Not a Jerk and why. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories linked at the top of the description, and if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot also linked in the description. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time.